Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Baisley, left side, pulls Gobert out. Oh, I'm going to try it. I'm driving to the rack. I got it rejected. Oh, gosh, I haven't seen that every night all year in the NBA. Driving to the basket, Roby. Here comes Gobert, and he got another bite out of another one. Rudy Gobert is now just toying with him. Six block shots. Niang, right side three. Good. Check it. Seven block shots for Rudy Gobert. Triple-double? If they keep challenging like that. Got eight points, ten rebounds, and seven blocks. Works the left side, guarded by the long, lanky Hall, who doesn't seem like he can move a great deal. High lob to Rudy. He goes over Moroni, catches and dunks. I think uh, we started the game a little too comfortable. You know, they're the young team, and, you know, they are fresh, and they all want to, you know, prove themselves, and they, they have talent, you know, so they started the game firing, and uh took us a little bit to react, but once we started to get more physical, to play defense, to to communicate. You know, we we got back in this game and uh you know when we when we defend like that it, it fuels our offense. You know, and when we move the ball offensively like we did, um, it fuels our defense. Jazz win last night, Gordon. Uh you joined me on pre half and post game coverage, which I appreciated. <laughs> uh hundred and six to ninety six uh was the final. And uh, our guy Lou Dort was terrific. Forty-two yes, was. points, career high for Lou, and uh, he was uh, he was really good on both sides of the ball. Continue to like him. I don't know if he's ever going to be the numero uno offensive option on a good team, but uh, he put on a show last night. <laughs> well, in the in the pregame and during our show yesterday, you said that he he couldn't shoot straight. You know, you kind of did say that, right? Well, it continues to be true. <laughs> well, it wasn't against the Jazz. That's one thing we have we have learned. Did you notice at one point in the game after he hit his first, like, six shots in a row, he just kind of gave that Michael Jordan kind of shrug, like, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here, but I like it. He was tough for the Jazz to handle. Another, another guard that the Jazz uh, struggled to defend. Yeah, I do think there was a, some flukish. And and listen, I'm Lou Dort's my guy. You know yeah. that. Uh, but there was a little flukishness to to last night. You know, my my dad used to say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. There was there was a little bit of there was there was a little bit of that there. Yeah, but I mean, when a guy goes sixteen to thirty one, seven of eleven from three, I mean, don't. I, yeah, but who was I mean, who was the dude? It didn't look from, particularly flukish. Yeah, but who was the who was the dude from the Nuggets that used to put forty on the Jazz on the reg and then oh, never never yeah. played against anybody else? <laughs> was it Kleiser? Yeah, Linus Kleiser or Kleiser or Kleiser, whatever it is. Kleiser. That guy, <laughs> you know, that guy had these huge nights against the Jazz. Nobody was clamoring for him to make an All Star team. <laughs> I I think Lou Dort is a starter in the NBA for a long time for a variety of reasons, and I'll add that I, his shooting will get better. But what you saw last night, I don't think that's reality. His previous season high was 26 yeah, against, against the Jazz in December. <laughs> so so what's the deal? That's so weird. Is that just a matchup thing, or you think it's a fluke? 
No, I think the Jazz uh, tr- uh, have trouble guarding uh, the perimeter from time to time. And the guy who usually gets that assignment didn't play last night. So I, I think that's a vulnerab- vulnerability uh, with this team. And it's one they've been o- able to overcome schematically for the most part this year. I mean, they are still an elite defensive team. But, yeah, that's something that's, something that's going to be an issue. I would like Austin, in, in when he gets a minute, which he never gets, but to, to find a, a list of all guards in the NBA who are 6'3", because the Jazz seem to have trouble in, in their last couple of games against guards who are 6'3", namely Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook and now Lou Dort. They're all 6'3", and the Jazz couldn't guard them. And that I mean, is that is the connective tissue. That's I that's the know. theory you're running with. I don't know. As long All as the I Jazz know. play somebody who's six four, they're fine. No, I've got the <laughs> list here already. If you'd like it. Do you? Is there are there any dangerous names on that list? Uh, there is fifty eight. Let's start with number one and go through number fifty eight. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> Steph Curry, hey. Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, De'Aaron Fox, Ooh. CJ McCollum, on and on and on. Yeah. Well, you just listed off some really good ones. So I watch out for number fifty-eight, though. Uh, Armoni Brooks. He, he mentioned Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard yeah. hasn't been that great against the Jazz this year. Uh, yeah, but in past years he has. We're talking right. about this year. He's not six-three. Well, I thought no, you read not. his name, Damian Lillard. Yeah. No, I said C.J. McCollum. Oh, well, I misheard you. Obviously. Yeah. How tall is Damian? Six-two. Ah. Phew. How tall is Trey Young? They held him to a career low. He's two-six. <laughs> Gordon predicted he was going to go for 40, and he scored three. Yeah, but don't you think that was a little bit of an outlier? So now you're going to the fluke card. Kind of. Yeah. No, right I give, straight I give there. the Jazz some credit for, <laughs> for playing good defense that night. But it, it's I think you hit the nail on the head earlier, Jake, when you talked about the, the perimeter defense. You know, sometimes, sometimes it suffers a, a bit. And uh, it has recently. I mean, Lou Dort scored nearly half of his team's points. So I, I do think that Rudy makes up for part of that, I, um, you know, and just his ability to guard multiple players, and, and he's so good against the pick and roll. I think, I think Rudy helps um, make up for some of the lack of the perimeter defense. And then when Royce O'Neal, I, I think he does an above-average job for the most part, given the assignments that, that he has. So if Royce can go out there and at least make it difficult for somebody on the perimeter, then you only have to worry about making up for another couple of guys. Does that make any sense? You know, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like when Deion Sanders can lock down half the field, then you only have to worry about defending the other half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not comparing Deion to Royce O'Neal, mind you. More just talking schemes. I mean, yeah. who who spent the majority of the night on Lou Dort? I mean, it was really Donovan, Mike Conley. And which, which, yeah, I mean, the Jazz are undersized along the guard line, and uh, that, that can be problematic at times. But, uh, by the way, you mentioned Royce O'Neal, uh, you know, playing defense and being sort of the Jazz's defensive specialist. I think we mentioned yesterday that the two guys who have, draw, have draw, drawn – sorry, Jake, stop it. <laughs> stop that it will now. never not be funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Austin, I got you. I got it all. I got it turned off before Austin joined in the chorus. I'm sorry. Uh, you yeah. were saying. I yeah. did. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have no idea what I was saying. I don't either. Do I, I was busy dialing point, the phone. You know? 
Oh, you were talking about Royce. Yeah, they draw. They draw. Uh, Lou Dort and Royce O'Neal draw the are the two guys who most often draw the toughest defensive assignment. So uh, going up against the team's number one scorer. So that that's that's a fact. And that's you know I think I think Royce O'Neal is a decent defender. I don't think he's a great defender. I know a lot of people aren't here singing his praises like he's a great defender. I I think he's decent. Uh, which and if he's the Jazz's best guy, then that tells you that if you were going to pick out a weakness on this team, I think that's where you would go. That would be at the top of the list. And every team has weaknesses, but that 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 would be the number one thing in my in my eyes as far as the Jazz. Go. Yeah, and they're still the number four defensive rated team in the in the league. Well, I mean, Mr. Gobert is standing back. No, I I, I get what you're although, saying. Although but... although Ben Simmons were 42 on him, he said. But I mean, I know you think uh, Royce is an average defender, but I mean, he's Not the best. Average. He's the I best said, defender said, on the the fourth ranked team, and and it is getting a little nitpickish because uh, other teams certainly have far more significant flaws. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't I mean, say they think didn't. That's just if we're looking solely at the Jazz, I think that's that's a bit of a vulnerability. Of course, when you get into the playoffs and you're playing the toughest teams in the West, then you know, I mean. Uh, how about covering LeBron? That, that that that's a big challenge too, you know. Or handling AD, and those guys aren't perimeter guys mostly. And and there's there's also other good teams out there that are never stopping perimeter play either, and have a lot bigger problem than the Jazz do. Portland, for example. Yeah. Well, I you know I mean we're we're dissecting the Jazz and we're looking for we talk a lot about their strengths. And sometimes we nitpick about their weaknesses, but uh, I think that is something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. And that's been the case for a couple of years now. Well, I think it's better uh, this year. I, you know, if there's one criticism to Le- uh, Levy, in my opinion, on Donovan Mitchell, it's that he doesn't have games where he'll go out there and be a star defensively. It just we just haven't seen it. And I, I don't know. I know he's limited with his height. I, I get that, that he's 6'1". But he's also, you know, long and certainly physically gifted. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, nights like last night when Royce O'Neal isn't playing and somebody's got to go out there and at least make it difficult for Lou Dort, I, I wish we would see him do that more. So, so do you think that uh, Jarrell Brantley is a guy who could uh, in time fill a role like that? Well, I told you. Well, we talked about Jarrell a few times yesterday, right? And uh, we were talking on the on the post game. Um, yes, I mean, I think he's got a ton of potential. I, again, I liked it that he worked on his body in the off season and came back more lean. And uh, because his future is not at a big, which is kind of where he was getting his garbage minutes, right? But he's not that tall. He's only about six five. So if he could lean up and use that athleticism to be a defensive player and shoot at a rate well enough where you have to at least think about him when he's on the floor, which he certainly did last night. Um, but then I, I think he has potential in the same way that, that Royce O'Neal climbed up the roster. So, you know, we've seen the Jazz value those uh, value those things. Quinn Snyder talked about it in his postgame uh, comments where he said, you know, if, there's, if you play good defense and rebound, there's a good chance, you know, you're going to fit in and uh, they're going to find room for you. So, I, I think there's potential there, certainly. I think there's potential with a lot of the Jazz back of the roster guys. We just There's some developing to do there. If you missed the game last night, Jarrell Brantley 
uh, came out of uh, kind of nowhere, really. Hadn't been getting much time to play 22 minutes and score 10 points on four or five shooting. It was two of three from behind the arc, and he had four boards as well. So, I mean, that's a pretty strong showing for somebody who hadn't seen the light of day much this season. So, you know, maybe maybe there's some promise there. But he was uh, tearing up the G League last year, and yeah. – um, they, he's a two-way guy, which is kind of a disadvantage this year because you can't go play with the G League. You know, they did that bubble experience uh, for a few weeks, and that was it. I mean, he's a he's a dude that certainly could stand for some playing time. And I I loved his attitude. I know you did too, Gordon. And when he made his post game comments, man, was he he fired up about it. Uh, yeah, and, and I, re- it was, I re- it was a cool interview. I remember. Yeah, when we talked with him la- last year, um, he impressed me. And I and I mentioned him to, to Quinn. I said, "Man, this this guy uh, has a pretty good attitude," and he he kind of acknowledged that. So, you know, we'll see moving forward how it turns out. But uh, he he had an impact last night against a team. I mean, the Thunder, worst offensive team in the league, and um, uh, really in a rebuild project. But they played hard last night, and I I, I said it after the game last night, uh, Jake. I, I'm impressed by. Young guys who might be under-talented a little bit who work their butts off. And you got to respect that. And if I were a fan of the Thunder, if I lived in OKC, and I saw what uh, what the guys were doing back there, I would I, I would approve as long as I saw that kind of effort out of the guys who, who are available. And, uh, it, you know, they were missing their best player last night, but they – they, they. I was impressed by you know they scored ninety six points, no big deal, right? But I mean they, and the Jazz started slow and then finished, uh, then got that big lead in the third quarter and then kind of just fell asleep a little bit in the fourth and allowed uh, the Thunder to climb back in it. But uh, I, I, I was impressed by the effort and and, and what? How many draft picks did you say? Thirty seven or thirty four? Thirty four over the next thirty four over the next seven years. Yeah. So I mean, I know, I know. Uh, people all want to see the the fruits uh, come come to bear uh, early, quicker. But uh, you know, the future is bright for the Thunder. I think as long as they use good acumen to uh, select the right guys in the draft and to trade some of those assets for players that fit what they want to do. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, Jazz get another win last night, as they should have. And now they move on. All right, it is the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. There's a report out there, Gordon, from, well, uh, I've got it from heatnation.com. Let me get the original source here. Uh, uh, Evan Massey is the one who uh, reported this uh, from ESPN, Yahoo, Forbes, Fox Sports, uh, Hoops, Analysis Net. Seems to be kind of a, a freelance type of dude. But anyway. Uh, he reports the Miami Heat will have interest in signing or acquiring Kyle Lowry this offseason, but if they can't get him, Mike Conley is another name to keep a close eye on. Yeah, that's the way it works. You know, people are like always wanting to pick your pocket. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know if that move makes a ton of sense for, for Miami. Maybe, maybe it does. Um, I would rather have Mike Conley than Kyle Lowry, though. You would? You wouldn't? I don't think so. I mean, I like Mike Conley, but Kyle Lowry's pretty darn good. Well, Mike Conley's pretty darn good. I, I don't know. Neither one of them's going to play a ton of defense for you. Uh, Conley's two if years you, younger. 
Conley, I mean, we've seen his playmaking ability. We've seen his ability to to fit in. That would be very appealing to me. Kyle Lowry's 35. He is. Oh, wow. Well, okay, that might factor in that. Kyle Lowry's a heck of a player, Jake. Yeah, he has been. (laughs) Did you just call Kyle Lowry a has-been? No, I said he has been a heck of a player. Is, yeah. is, do you disagree with that? No, I think he's a terrific player. Yeah, I think uh, he has been for sure. Thirty-five is thirty-five. I get, I get that part. He's averaging seventeen point seven point three assists and five point five rebounds for the Raptors. Who, keep in mind, um, you know, don't have all the talent they had on their team a couple of years ago. Man, I'm just trying to think. There's all kinds of things to take into consideration and that sort of thing, and how he fits in with your team. Mike Conley seems to really fit in well here, you know. And I don't really know Kyle Lowry that well. I, I don't know how he would fit in with, with the Jazz. And uh, so, but, but man, he, he's been really, really good. So, yeah, but the, I, the, yeah. here's, the, here's the issue, Gordon. The, the problem is, is that Mike Conley, who's making $34.5 million this year, all that money and a little bit more basically goes to Donovan and Rudy next year. Uh, so the Jazz currently committed have $133,392,069 for this year. Next year, they already have committed in salary $134,126,952. So they've already got more salary committed next year than they have this year. I wonder what the cap will be. And that, who knows? I mean, if the if the cap goes up, that could create some space. Uh, it did not go up this year, but it didn't go down either, which it could have. So um, that that certainly is a big question mark as to how much money the Jazz will have to spend. But uh, I, my guess is not not a ton. Well, well, let me put it this way: if if a team out there really wants Mike, they can get him just based on how much money they can offer. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I wonder how long the effect of COVID will will last as far as things like the salary cap and, and all that. Well, I think they've got a new media deal coming up in a couple of years, so that's certainly going to help. Um, but, I mean, you know, Gordon, we're, we're seeing fans here at uh, Vivid Arena, but it's still limited. I mean, still only like 5,600 or something like that. I mean, and some but, some franchises out there still have no fans. And I get it that, you know, NBA finances don't solely rely on the gate anymore, but it's still yeah. a pretty sweet plum. I mean, it's still a big part of the overall basketball-related income. So um, I wouldn't expect uh, the cap to go up a big-time amount next year. But I guess I'm I do assuming- expect it to go up a little bit. Well, I, I'm I'm an optimistic guy, and so I'm I'm just uh, hopeful. As you know, I'm very optimistic about almost everything in life, and so I did. I just say that, or did I think it? Oh, you said it. But I I I understand that uh, there are there are dollars, stacks of dollars, to be made up for what's been lost, and I just don't know how long the lingering effect. Will be because I, I believe the the arenas will be full again next season. Yeah, with any luck, maybe by the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe that's me thinking optimistically. But yeah. we we had um, these conversations a lot over the past couple of years, Gordon, when we were talking about you know extending Donovan and re-signing Rudy. That if if you gave them the the money that they will 
or they expected, which is fine, by the way. That, I don't mean that to sound critical. They're, they're earning it. But those two better be the guys because there's not going to be a ton left over for, um, right. for other players. And, this, and we have it, talked about that a lot, Jake, and you've got to get that part of it right. Yep. The, the, the problem is that the, there just aren't that many to go around. And so if you have someone that's living in that neighborhood, then you go ahead and pay them that. Because, I mean, as Kevin O'Connor once told us, these guys don't grow on trees, right? So, you know, it's, it's kind of who the Jazz have. And so I assume that they really do believe in, in them and think that they, they are the guys. But when you compare them to the two best players on the contending teams, how do you think they stack up? And how do you think they will stack up over the next couple of years? I mean, obviously, that's what the Jazz are banking on. Right. Now, if, if Pat Riley in the Heat uh, a few years ago um, proved anything, is that you can pull off anything if you are motivated. You know, <laughs> how they, you remember that when they signed LeBron Bosch and Dwayne Wade, how they basically traded away the entire team in the week leading up? <laughs> which, uh, don't you, well, uh, I don't want to uh, uh, put feelings on you, Gordon, but I always felt dumb about that. That we were all blindsided about the Heat signing LeBron James. It's like Pat Riley did everything but put up a billboard saying that that was what was going to happen. I mean, they did. They traded. Remember Super Cool Bees? Michael Beasley was a part of that where they just jettisoned like the whole team. And all of a sudden they magically had enough money to sign two max players uh, in Chris Bosh and LeBron James as free agents. And it was like, wow, we really should have seen that coming. But if anything, uh, Riley proved that, you know, if you're motivated – then you can pull off anything. So, you know, maybe they figure out a way to re-sign Conley and move some other players around, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what most people, that's how most people look at it, they think. And and, and that's why when teams don't make these exorbitant moves, then fans oftentimes ask, well, why not? just, Just go for it. Well, in this case, it would be getting hard capped out. Yeah. I mean, they just, like literally won't be able to pay as much as another team unless and the thing the the aggressive moves we're talking about Gordon they're going to involve maybe a player folks out there don't want to part with I'm sure Miami wanted to keep super cool bees <laughs> but I mean Bogdanovich is somebody who makes 18-7 you know and and how much you know if a team out there wants to pay Mike Conley 25 million dollars a year I'm sure the Jazz would say well Good luck, <laughs> you know, and I'm just pulling that figure out of my, my keister. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is going to be that line where the Jazz just simply can't, can't do anything and he would have to go. But I'm sure they're going to do everything within their power to, to try and keep him a part of the crew, I would guess. Yeah, I would think so, too, as long as it doesn't, uh, you know, fracture everything else. And that'll be interesting to find out what that number is. But remember way back in the day when... The Jazz kept having these uh, these free agents, and, and Portland kept <laughs> offering these toxic contracts. The restricted free agents, yeah, yeah. with Wes Matthews and Paul Millsap. And and I wonder what goes into the thinking of doing that. I mean, is it is it to be destructive to a to a, an opponent, or is it uh, that they think, oh, what the heck, it's worth it? It's spin the wheel, baby. Let's see what happens. Well, I think but, in the case of both those guys, I think Portland wanted the player. Yeah. I mean, they were both second-round draft picks, which meant they hit for restricted free agency sooner than a mm-hmm. first-round draft pick would have. And they had both – I mean, Wes was only after one year. Paul was after more than that. 
But they had both already proven themselves to be NBA players to a certain extent. And everybody always thought, oh, is Portland out to screw the Jazz? It was, no, Portland's trying to give themselves the best chance possible to land a good player, which didn't work in Paul Millsap's uh, case, but did work for Wes Matthews. They, they landed him. And maybe that's what Miami's thinking now, you know. Well, but Mike Conley's not a restricted free agent, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. I as do. As far as the tug, and, tug of war back and forth, as far as keeping a guy. I would go for a young guy if I were Miami. I mean, far be it for me to to uh, disagree with the great Pat Riley. But I think they've got a good thing going with a vet like Jimmy Butler, who's not an old vet, by the way. And they got a big young core. That that screams to me like you've got an open window for a while. You add a uh, Kyle Lowry. I mean, is he he's going to kind of help you for a year? Well, that's all about winning right now. Remember what George Allen said way back in the day? The future is now. Right, but, I mean, they were in the finals last year. You'd think they'd have a few years to keep improving the team. Well, I mean, yeah, but they were in the finals last year, and they wanted to take advantage of Butler and then add another other great veteran to uh, see if we can push it over the top. How many opportunities do you get to do that? Yeah, but then you're stuck spending a bunch of money on Kyle Lowry. Who's a good player. He was. <laughs> see. <laughs> I think he still is. He he was. He was a fine player. I agree. <laughs> In fact, I, I'll say that if the Heat had had Kyle Lowry last year, their chances would have been greatly enhanced. I would also add that if Kyle Lowry were so good, why is he still on the Raptors? What do you mean? Well, if If teams wanted to trade for him, they certainly could have. Well, teams did want to trade for him, but the asking price was too high. Right. So, I mean, that that gate can go both ways, can it? Right. I mean, obviously, decisions need to be made. But I think if you ask GMs around the league what they thought of Kyle Lowry, I, I, I think the vast majority would say, man, I'd love to have him on my team. Not enough to give up anything worthwhile, however. <laughs> That's not what the standard was. Anything worthwhile. If they could have landed a first-round pick for Kyle Lowry, don't they think they would have? I have no idea. I have no idea what they were thinking. I thought he was going to be out of there, but didn't But happen. nobody, all the phone calls were, hey, we'll give you two number twos and my overpaid guy so we can make the salaries work. How about Not that? Not true. Not true. Well, he wouldn't be in Toronto. He wouldn't be in Toronto if the. I mean, what if a player that truly was in demand was made available? Like if Bradley Beal truly were made available, don't you think there was a franchise out there that would just pretty much pay whatever to make it work? Uh, A contender. uh, Could be. Take all of the first round picks. Take all of them. Go ahead, because I'm going to add the league's leading scorer, and I'm already a contender. Don't you think? Yeah, think? but the Heat. Let's say the Heat won Kyle Lowry. They call up, <laughs> they call up the Raptors, and the Raptors say, "Okay, yeah, give us Jimmy Butler," which is would never happen in reality. Well, I mean, but this the just because the why would ask, the Raptors do that? Just because the asking price is so high. Why would they price themselves out of it? They're on the road to nowhere, town. I don't know. I was asking that question at the trade deadline. So I, I I don't necessarily buy the narrative of they were asking for too much. Well, why wouldn't they do it then? 
I don't know because the other team Why was like, we'll give, you, we'll give you two seconds and uh, Drunas Ilgoskis' retired oh, contract. Oh, come on. It had to be. It had to be stupid. Then why didn't they do it? I don't know. <laughs> because they, because they don't want to be good. You know what? We, we don't <laughs> want to have a better team next year. So <laughs> we're going to hold on to our dead weight. Thank you very much. <laughs> you are so freaking cynical. <laughs> How am I cynical? Because I'm I'm reading the tea leaves differently than you are when when somebody doesn't get traded. Oh, they were obviously asking for LeBron in return. So you, why would so they do you, that? You really think that they did not want to get rid of Kyle Lowry? No, I think they did want to get rid of Kyle Lowry. I don't okay, think so, anybody gave him anything worthwhile. But, but I thought you said they didn't want to get better. Toronto. Doesn't want to get better, I guess. I was saying that sarcastically. Did that not come uh, across? Uh, I did, did that I not? Did notice. that not translate? I'm looking I at Austin. And it I, was, I followed it, yeah. yeah. but I can see you. Uh, right, that's that's true. I mean, Kyle Lowry is a free free agent next year. So, do you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Kyle Lowry could help a contending team uh, get to the promised land? Uh, which contending team? I don't know. Just a contending team. I think the Jazz would be crazy if they made a move for Kyle Lowry. They're a contending team. The question really is, could Kyle Lowry make a team uh, significantly better? As their I, third point guard, I probably. Thought the original question here was Kyle Lowry or Mike Conley yes, is better. Mike Conley, every time. I, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure about that. All right, it is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We'll have more straight ahead right here on 975 and 1280 the zone.